Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, not our will, but yours be done. That is a hard thing to pray for us, God, as sinners, as broken, but by grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you empower us to say such things. Because Jesus, you said such things. And Lord, now we declare as a group, we pray corporately as a group, we declare that we need you. We need the Holy Spirit to come and make the Word of God come alive to our hearts. Lord, forgive us of our sins, things that are keeping us from intimacy with the Father. And Lord, may you work in our midst. May you build up the saint, cause life-transforming decisions to be made. And Lord, may you save the sinner. Save the person who knows they're far from you. And God, we ask that you do all this by your grace for the glory of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be this morning, Matthew 6. And if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it there. Welcome to church. My name is Josh, preaching pastor. Verse 9 and 10, it's an easy scripture reading this morning. Two verses, and all God's people said, amen, all right, all right. Verse 9 and 10, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're continuing our sermon series, Praying Like Jesus. And so as we continue on, we are looking at verse 9 and verse 10 of the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. And I got to ask you right away, how are you doing on your Take 5 challenge? Okay, We challenge everybody in the church, take five minutes every day, pray out loud, use your voice, try that out for this year, 2022, commit to that idea. For some of you, already you're like, Pastor, I screwed up, I already messed up, I messed Wednesday, I missed Thursday, totally forgot I took the card. I found it in my Bible or my book or whatever. Sorry. Okay, well, you're forgiven. Keep going. Let's keep moving, okay? Don't give up. We're only, we're only three weeks into January. We can't give up on this year already. Encourage yourself and, and continue to put it before yourself to pray out loud for five minutes every day in 2022. God is going to do great things. He is doing great things and we are excited about that. Um, some of your prayer lives were enhanced, passionately so, by certain events of Saturday or Friday night. Some of you were praying on Saturday morning, looking at a snowblower, saying, God, please let this work. Please let this thing work. I have no idea. haven't used it hardly in the last few years, but please let this work. I know for me, my prayer life was enhanced as I opened up my garage door Saturday morning at 5.30 in the morning, and I looked at the driveway, and I'm on a corner lot, so I got sidewalks both ways, plus I wanted to get Roger's sidewalk, or at least part of it, so I'm looking at it, and I don't have a snowblower, so this is all scooping, and I'm like, I got to get this done 
by seven or I'm done because we have a funeral here. I got my teenager that's going on this sub-zero youth retreat. I got to get this done. And by the grace of almighty God, the Lord provided for me a helper, a 15-year-old helper. <laughs> and my daughter got up with me and, and scooped snow. So you can say there's no power in prayer. I disagree. <laughs> my 15-year-old helped me out. And had I not had her, we would have been done. Absolutely, there's no way I would have gotten that done in time. So as a reminder, as we remember last week's sermon, uh, prayer is talking to God. As simple as I can say it, prayer is talking to God, opening our mouths on a regular basis to talk to the creator God of the universe. So prayer is a rhythm of relationship. It's a habit. We talked about that last week as well. It's a rhythm. How do you pray? When do you pray? I don't know. When do you need God, right? When do you need him? You pray to him. And in Christ, he's always ready to meet you in prayer. Praise Jesus. So, so prayer is a rhythm. You might need more of it in certain days. You might need less of it in certain days. But ultimately, it's a rhythm. Whenever you need God, it's a habit of your life to pray. Uh, what is the purpose of prayer? The purpose of prayer is the glory of God and his will on the earth. So Warren Wiersbe said it this way. He said, prayer is meant to glorify God and glorify his name and ask for help to accomplish his will on earth. So prayer is meant to glorify God, and it's also meant for us to ask for God's help in and, and, and accomplishing his will on the earth. So when you get started praying, what should you expect as you pray? So you're going to get started praying you're going to talk to God. What are you expecting to happen at the beginning of your prayer? For some of you, this is a big hurdle that you can't cross yet. And we're going to try by, by the grace of Jesus to help you understand what's happening and help you start your prayers with a biblical mindset. Okay, So the big idea of this passage, only two verses, is Jesus tells us that when we pray, we will experience both problems and promises. When you start your prayer to God, you are guaranteed to experience a couple things. Number one, problems. Can I get an amen from, from mature Christians, right? You're going to have problems, man. You are not going to float on clouds. You are not going to just flutter into the prayer room and flutter out. Like It is going to be hard. You are going to have real problems in your mind and in your heart that you got to go to war with. There's also promises, amazing promises of blessing and encouragement and strength if you buy into what Jesus is saying here. So when you're starting your prayer, don't be surprised if you struggle a little bit. Don't be surprised if you have problems focusing. Don't be, don't be surprised if you are like, there's a battle in my heart that I feel. I didn't anticipate this kind of battle in my prayer life but also anticipate blessing. Also, if you're in Christ, as you pray, anticipate Jesus showing up in great ways. Anticipate plugging into the power and the promises of God Almighty as you pray. So prayer is going to come with both. And I would remind you, as we pray, we are entering into the spiritual realm. We are entering into uh, principalities and powers and spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly realms. We are not messing around with American materialism. We are not messing around with secularism. We are going into the very spiritual realm of God 
and we are doing battle against angels and demons and Jesus and all the things that are going on in the spiritual warfare zone, we are entering into that combat and we should expect problems and promises. So we're going to answer the question this morning, what can I expect when I pray? That's the question we're going to get after. What can I expect when I pray to God? Well, we're going to see four different sets of problems and promises, four different sets of those. By God's grace, we'll see those things and the power of the Spirit will help us understand the Word and we will make changes in our lives by His power. So the first set of problems and promises in prayer is distance and intimacy. Distance and intimacy. Verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. So you see the our Father, just a real quick comment on the hour. The hour is a plural pronoun, which means it is in community, right? You don't pray by yourself individualistically. Jesus is saying it's our Father. We're together as a community of people calling out to God. So if you are individualistic in your mindset as, as a prayer person, I need to expand your brain for a little bit. When you pray, you enter into prayer with a community of men and women believers all over the world at that time. And now if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. You, when you feel alone and you start praying to God, you say, Our Father. You say, in community, I pray. I am praying with believers in Africa and South America and Asia and Western Europe and Eastern. I'm praying with every Christian who calls on the name of God. It is a community project. More on that in point three. Our Father. The word Father there means God is creator or preserver or upholder or ruler. Jesus tells us to pray to God as Father. So in Aramaic, Jesus would have been conversationally speaking in Aramaic. So he would have been using the word Abba or Daddy or Dad. Like it's a very intimate term for God. He is saying that, that God is near. When you pray, God is near you like a dad, like a good dad who's right there waiting for you. And I would just say that's the promise. The problem with prayer is distance then. If the, if the promise of prayer is intimacy, closeness with God, then the problem is distance. What brings distance between you and God when you pray? Sin and idolatry. Okay, when you, when you run into your sin and your idolatry and you just, just push God to the side and you're like, I want my sin, I want my idol, I want my stuff, you create by your sin a distance between you and God where that relationship goes from intimate to more distant acquaintance. And what I mean by that is the Old Testament is filled with stories like this, right? You, you just got to read the Old Testament and you'll understand that God was meant to be the father of Israel. Isaiah 63, verse 16. You, for you, God, are our father. All right, so, so in the Old Testament, God is meant to be father. But what was Israel doing? Israel throughout the Old Testament was sinning and taking on new idols and the God that should have been their father was more of a distant acquaintance. So they were still going to church, they were still going to temple worship, they were still going to tabernacle, but they weren't close with God anymore. They were using God's name without the relationship. Okay, 
Aren't you so glad that our culture is so different than them? Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. We still got this today, don't we? We are just nothing new. We are struggling with the same thing that they struggle with in the Old Testament. God, who should be intimate, Father, conversational, close to us. We have put idols and sins in our lives today, and now God is more of a formal thing. God is more of a, yeah, he's kind of there, he's distant. We'll use the name, but we won't actually follow what he says. We'll actually disagree with him on a lot of areas. This is our culture. The problem, the burden that I feel for our culture today, more than any other burden, is that we've got so many professing Christians who are professing Jesus all over their social media accounts and are living in direct disobedience to the word of God. We got a massive problem in our culture today of people who are grandstanding Jesus on, on their socials and yet disagreeing with Jesus with everything that he says. That's an issue. Here's some, here's some examples. We as a culture are struggling massively to define gender and sexuality in a very biblical manner. And I, we've got Christians parading around this culture saying, Jesus, 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 and then they disagree with everything Jesus says about gender and sexuality. That is a problem. Because what we're doing in that step is we are distancing ourselves from the Father we should be intimate with. We can't do that. That is not long-term sustainable for any culture to do that. We have to stay close to God no matter what the society says. We have to say, our Father in heaven, let's stay close. But we have a culture that is beyond gender and sexuality. We have a, we have a culture that struggles to define almost anything these days. And then we, we, we settle for some quasi-connection with God. And we call it religion. And we call it worship and we call it Jesus and yet the Jesus that many people are worshiping in our, in the United States of America is not the Jesus of the Bible and that is my biggest burden is because that's the problem that is guess what not out there it's in me it's in you it's in every single one of us to to put sin and idols inside of us so that it distances us from God and we become kind of um Polite with God. Arm's distance. Well, if that's the problem, then what's the solution? The promise is intimacy. The promise is being close to God. Calling on God as Father. When Jesus came, he restored God's position with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, an intimate relationship with God the Father. Jesus was always referring to God as his Father. He was always going to the, the mountains to pray by himself, to connect with the Father. He was always fulfilling the will of the Father. And the promise of prayer is that we have to, we must in Jesus, fight the distance that our sinful flesh wants to take us. And we need to dive in to Jesus and intimacy with God the Father. So if there's sin in our lives this morning, guess what we need to do with that? Confess it as sin. Let God define what truth is and get with God. Let God define the idols in our lives and get rid of those idols. Now, if you've read Brad Bigney's book, all right, um, what's, the, what's the name, Biddle? 
Gospel Treason. If you have read Brad Bigney's book, Gospel Treason, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't read that book yet, grab a copy. It will absolutely change your life. Okay? But these idols pull us away. So therefore, when we have this promise of prayer, we have this promise of getting close to God. And we get close to God through Jesus. And we spend time with God. And he's not distant. He's Father. To illustrate this, on Thursday night, I think it was Thursday night, we were talking through, no, it was Friday night, we were talking through the snowstorm and the girls and mom and me, we all watched a movie together. And after the movie was done, Nariah fell asleep and we had the two olders, right? This has been the God moment we've been waiting for. So from 10 till midnight, we talked about everything going on in their hearts and minds. As a dad, my heart was so delighted that I could talk to my girls, my two olders, with intimacy. That's not a guarantee in life. That does not always happen. That's a moment where you're like, as a parent, you're like, drink it up! I may never get another chance! And from 10 to midnight, we just talked intimately back and forth about God and his grace and their lives and all this. And I had a, just a small picture because I was studying for this message, like this must be what it's like. On some levels, for God the Father to hear from us. And what's going on in our lives and what's happening and what we're struggling to process. And, and he wants this connection he wants this conversation with us. And so I would tell you the promise is intimacy. Where are you at? Where are you at with your prayer life and being intimate with the Father? Maybe there's some stuff that needs to go. Let it go so you can have this conversation with God Almighty. He's waiting for it. He wants it. Second set of problems and promises is casualness and reverence. Casualness and reverence. Hallowed be your name. The phrase, hallowed be your name, means God is separate or pure or free from sin. Jesus is driving home the truth that God is different than us. He's on a different realm than us. He's on a different level. And this is especially true in prayer. So God's name is meant to be honored by believers in prayer, which means we recognize with awesome reverence his name, his position, and his glory. So we recognize who he already is. We say, God, you're awesome and amazing because I'm just recognizing who you already are. Part of prayer is just recognizing who God already is on his throne. And in the midst of that, the problem then, when we come to God in prayer, is casualness. All right, casualness. Treating God casually, flippantly in our hearts and our attitudes, saying, oh, God, you know, it's Josh again. You know, Jesus is my homeboy attitude. Sometimes we take that and we run with it and we're just like, oh, it's just God. What does he know? You know, and we begin to callously approach the throne of God. And in the midst of, of all of that, that is a massive, massive problem in our prayer life that we treat God way too casually. Here's what I mean. It's been a history thing. It's been going on since Adam and Eve sinned. But in the Old Testament, Hophni and Phinehas, in 1 Samuel chapter 2-4, through 4, they were sons of Eli. They were priests of God in Israel. So parents, 
See the words, Hophni, Phinehas, note them as names not to name your kids, okay? All right, you guys got that in your notes? All right. Hophni and Phinehas, these two guys took God for granted. They had Eli as their dad, this amazing spiritual warrior, and they were totally taking this for granted. They got involved in lots of greed for money. They were pilfering money. They were, they were constantly worried about financial gain and sexual sin. They were absolutely running rampant in the sexual sin area of their lives. And ultimately, they just treated God way too casual. God warned them multiple times through Eli, don't do this or else bad things will happen. Well, what happened? Bad things happened because God will not share his glory with anybody else. And if you walk into his presence treating him casually, you will absolutely give an account for that approach. Here's what I mean. Psalm 50, verse 21. This is Pastor Chad's favorite verse, or one of his favorite verses. Psalm 50, verse 21, which says, God addressing his people, he said, you thought that I was just like you. God was rebuking his people in that, in that psalm. And he says, your, your sin is this. You think that I'm just like you and I'm not like you. So when we come to prayer, the promise then is reverence. The promise is lifting up God for who he is. If you want to have a prayer life that is awesome and connected to God, you need to reverence God, hallow his name, lift up his name. And when you do that, you will experience great blessings. The apostle Peter talked about it this way in 1 Peter 3.15. He said, but sanctify or hallow, same word, Hallow Christ as Lord in your hearts. We are to set aside and hallow and reverence Jesus in our hearts as Lord. That's a good thing. The promise of prayer is for Christians to lift up the name of God. Okay? So I just went to an Iowa Hawkeye basketball game the other night. All right? And you know they do the Poncheros one? The Poncheros commercial where they, they lift the big burrito? Never gotten on screen. Man, we, I thought I had it. I got, I got 6,000 girls next to me. Like, we're going to do the Ponchero burrito lift. And so they start doing it. Nothing. We got nothing. But it is a good word picture of what it means to revere the name of God. We lift up. What do we lift up? Not a Ponchero's burrito. We lift up the name of God. We lift up his name. Where? Where do we do that? We do that together as a community. Church is mainly about lifting up the name of God. Amen? Not your name, not my name, not even Living Waters Fellowship. We are to lift up the name of God. Avery, when she gets baptized here, she lifts up the name of God. When Brad gets baptized here, he lifts up the name of Jesus, right? That's what church is really all about. We lift up the name of God. Now that reminds us of Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt what? His name together. Let's do that together. And then we lift up the names of God to, to him in prayer. If you want to be blessed in prayer, Lift up God's name to him. Remind him of his names. Some of you are not doing this, and I'm imploring you, I'm pleading with you as a pastor to start lifting up the names of God in your prayer life and see what happens. Here's what I mean. I'm going to give you a few, okay? Just a few. 
There's a lot. Here's a few. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. How many of you are struggling with anxiety, worry, fear, seasonal depression? Good number of you. A good number of you are struggling right now in your spirit, with your mind and heart, with peace. I don't have peace. When you pray, you address the God who is called Jehovah Shalom. Did you know God's fully at peace in his presence all the time? There's not one moment where God is not fully at rest with who he is and what he's doing on the earth. And I would encourage you in your prayer life, name the name of God. Jehovah Shalom, I need peace. God, bring me peace. What about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider, the one who provides, God who has all resources, heavenly resources to take care of all of you and me. And when we pray to him, we're not praying to some poor pauper God who's like, yeah, I don't have the resources for that. Check back next week. I'll have a 20 for you. You know, like God's not that way. God owns it all. So when we pray to Jehovah Jireh, we are praying, God, please provide for me. Provide what? Well, I don't know. You fill in the blank. Please, please provide this. Please provide that. Please provide this need that I have, this miracle that I'm praying for. Please provide it. And if any church, any church knows about Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider, it is Living Waters Fellowship. Amen? I mean, it's just, it's just amazing to me. How many times we have prayed to Jehovah Jireh over the years to watch God do his thing? And so again, in 2022, we need Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide for us. What about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer? My goodness. Can we pray about this during a COVID pandemic that will never end? Can we pray for cancer? Can we pray for people who are sick? We've had a ton of sickness at church in the last three weeks. I mean, an absurd amount. And we pray Jehovah Rapha over people, over their lives. God, heal. Please heal. If that's your will, heal their bodies. And God has done miracles, and God will do miracles. And the the greatest name is not even on this screen, and it's Jesus who is Jehovah saves. Amen? We pray to Jesus. We pray in his name because he's the one who saves. We don't save. Jesus saves. And when we pray to him, those are the promises that we are claiming. We are not bored in the prayer room. We're like, oh, what do I pray about? It's so boring. Like, my word, look at who our God is and begin to claim who he is in your own prayer life and say, God, this is who you say you are. I lift up your name and may your name be known in my life and in the lives of those around me. The third set of problems and promises in prayer is selfishness and God-centeredness. Your kingdom come, verse 10. Your kingdom come. It is a phrase that means your rulership arise or your sovereignty come forth or your dominion show itself or may your rulership become manifest. When we pray, Jesus says that we should pray for God's kingdom to come. We are to pray for the Lord's kingdom to arrive. Now, that begs the question then, what's the problem in our prayer life as we get started? When we say your kingdom come, the problem is selfishness. We are so prone to selfishness when we pray. When we pray, we often say something like this, God 
I really want my kingdom to come. So I want my will, my way. I want, I want to see my ambitions come true, my dreams come true, my aspirations to come true. And we get tunnel visioned in our prayers. Can I get a witness for some tunnel praying? I've done it before. You get so tunnel visioned. It's just your kingdom. It's just your glory. It's just your priorities. And all of a sudden, we pray, and that's a massive problem because selfishness destroys our lives. Your neighbor might have cancer, and you don't even care because you're so consumed with your kingdom. Somebody right next to you might be going through heartache, and you're like, yeah, I don't, you know, I got to have my own things taken care of first. That's our tendency. Over the years, as a pastor, I've, I've certainly dealt with this in my own heart. I still deal with it. Like, I just want my kingdom to come. But over the years as a pastor, I've also heard many, many people come to me and say, Pastor, listen, um, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make this action step or this decision. And I prayed about it. And the Lord told me that it was okay. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. That conversation happens more than, you, more than you know. So, Pastor, can I just get your pastoral approval stamp on that, please? Like, I just have my desires, my thing, my kingdom. And Jesus told me, well, what if that's against the word of God? Like, directly against the word of God. Directly against the scriptures. I don't care. It's what I want. It's what, you didn't hear me. The Lord told me that. No, I heard you quite clearly. I also heard, like, tons of verses as well that say you're wrong. And people are just like, whatever, whatever. No, this is my thing. Selfishness. Okay? It, it happens to us. We have to be aware of it. It's the problem. Which means the promise is God-centeredness. Having God as a centric level of our prayers. Where it's all about his kingdom, his glory. It's all about the glory of God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 18. Unless you turn... And become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There is a kingdom that Jesus is building, and it's amazing. And the greatest privilege we have in prayer is to dig into that kingdom. Let's, let me get connected to that kingdom. And then that is the promise of blessing for me. is to say, God, my kingdom stinks, honestly. My little kingdom on 31st Street and Wall, my .26 acres of kingdom, my kingdom stinks. My kingdom is not going to last. Somebody else is going to live in my house. So what am I here to pray for? My kingdom? No, no. The beauty of God's grace is that I open my eyes and I say, no, I repudiate my own kingdom. I want your kingdom to come, oh God. Your kingdom on earth. Your rulership. Your sovereignty on the earth. Your ability to influence every single heart and mind. So what are we praying for? Evangelism. People to come to know Jesus. How else does the kingdom manifest itself? When a sinner comes to know the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ and repents of their sins, that is what we're supposed to be praying for. Evangelistic opportunities and for people to come to Christ. Now there's a lot of controversy in what I just said. There's legislation going in states, 14 states right now, that say you can't do conversion therapy counseling, which is going to affect our counseling ministry at some, some level someday. 
Where if someone comes in and says, I'm struggling, I need answers, and we say, it's Jesus, I can't even say, you should believe in him. Because that's too much pressure, that's leading. So how do we pray? When the world says, don't do that, uh, we pray for it. (laughs) We tell the world, you don't have the mind of God. And we tell the world, if Jesus commands me to pray for his kingdom to come, I will pray it. I will get close to the Father and I will pray for people to be converted because that's what Jesus said. And if heaven is real, which we all believe that it is, I'm doing the greatest service to someone who's struggling by telling them about Jesus and his love. Okay. What's the second thing we pray for? End times prayers. Jesus come soon. Maranatha comes soon. Your kingdom come. Millennial reign of Jesus. I can't wait for the day when Jesus is my president. Amen? I'm excited for that day. And he won't even be called a president because heaven's not a democracy. Amen? I also want to say that little nugget. It is a aristocracy, man. This is a kingship, man. Like he's the king. I can't wait till he rules. Our prayers should be filled with, Lord, let your kingdom come. Jesus, just come. Just look at us. Look how sad we are down there. Come. That's the problems and promises. The last set is pride and submission. Pride and submission. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done means that your choice, God, your desire, God, your pleasure, God, your wishes, God, Jesus says prayer is a humble submission for God's will to be done. Jesus reflected this in his own prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. If there's any way for this cup to pass from me, let it happen. But if not, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus submitted to God the Father. In the hardest moment of his life, he submitted himself to the will of God. So if submission is the promise, then the problem of prayer is pride in our hearts. When we pray, there will be a battle with pride. I want what I want, God. I want my will to be done. Every single one of us has that inside of us, in our mind, in our heart, to say, well, God, I really want this. I want this. It's my way or the highway, God. Have you ever told Jesus that? I have. Jesus, it's my way or nothing. And I could hear Jesus audibly laugh from heaven. Josh, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And guess what? It's not about your will. It's about my will. It's not about your dreams for your life. It's about my plan for your life. And so, so many times, we Christians, we sound like a spoiled brat asking for a toy in aisle 12 of Target. Gimme, gimme, gimme! I want it! I want it now. Like that's often how we sound to God when we want our will to be done. And we need to be careful. That's pride. That is, the, that is a stubbornness inside of us that doesn't want to submit ourselves to God's will. But the blessing or the promise of prayer is submission. Okay, I did use the S word. I did. The S word, submission, has fallen on hard times in our culture because we think that any submission for any reason for anything is wrong and inherently evil and from the bad man. 
And I'm telling you, if you're a Bible Christian, submitting to God's will is for men and women, and it is for all of your life once you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You don't get to control your life anymore if you know Jesus. Jesus controls your life now. So what is your job? To submit to his will. What if, I, what if submitting to Jesus' will is not what you want? Jesus doesn't care. <laughs> Amen? He has your best in mind. So I'm just going to try to speed along here because we're running out of time. Robert Law said it this way, prayer is a mighty instrument not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. So we delight in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. We delight first in God. Then we get the desires of our heart. Well, what's that all about? Well, God rearranges our desires. What else do you say? If you delight in God and you pray to him and you submit yourself to him, he will change your desires to his. What a novel concept in a culture that is so obsessed with self. You give up yourself and Jesus said you'll find yourself. You give up your life, you'll find your life. You give up your rights as a person, as a human, you will find the greatest joy you've ever known. So, as we close, let's look at the problems. Problems in prayer are distance, casualness, selfishness, and pride. And the promises are intimacy, reverence, God-centeredness, and submission. If you're a Christian, one of those problems probably resonated with you more than others. Maybe all of them did. And if you're a Christian, intimacy, reverence, God-centeredness, and submission is what you want. You desire that deep in your soul. You know you do. But prayer is the only way to unlock that. So if you're a Christian, I would just encourage you to find the problems in prayer. Expect the warfare as you start praying to God. And take hold of the promises. And I guarantee you, you will not struggle to fill five minutes. You might be going 30 minutes or 45 or an hour and you'd be like, what in the world is happening to me? You're learning how to pray. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, man, that first prayer of faith is what you need today. Some of you need to be saved. Some of you are fakers and you need to be saved. Some of you need to just get right with Jesus. Some of you are feeling distance, casualness, selfishness, pride all the time. And I just, I just would encourage you, trust in Christ now. He loves you. He's ready to forgive. So we're going to pray. And then the music team's going to come up. They're going to play. And you just, we got time to respond now. We got a few minutes to respond. And let's just do that with the Lord. And then um, we'll dismiss our time. Father, thank you for your grace. You're so good, God so much greater than we know, so much more merciful than we've ever imagined, that you would love us and care for us is beyond our imagination. So God, you know every person here, for every Christian, may they identify those harder things, those problems in their prayer life, and may they be ready to fight those things with the promises 
of who you are and what you've said in your word. So Lord, give us grace to do that. Help us to respond well to you. We're going to get ready to pray individually in our seats. Help us redeem those moments and mean what we say. And Lord, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Christ, may you lead them to faith in Jesus right now. And we'll trust you for those things. In Jesus' name, amen.